episode 49 of the podcast. We're still here and going strong, as is our guest this time out, Glenn Bowden. I've known Glenn since we were both 18 and decided that it'd be a good idea to go to a particular college that I won't name to study music production. After a year of studying everything else apart from production, including music law and ethics, and what seemed like the entire theory of MIDI without actually using it, Glenn did the smart thing and transferred out. We hadn't actually seen each other since then, but 12 years later he's still a top guy and his music's only improved. Without further ado, let's get into some music. This is a live version of Suburban Sanctuary that Glenn performed here at Procast HQ. Transport the only way you're never caught, knock and run. A coke can is the engine sound, crushed into your tires round till it wears down. Suburban Alone for the first time, just me and a bag Awkward conversations turned into friendship Lessons learned the hard way Never made it anywhere With the ladies, a vacant stare just looks so to higher things University was cool Living like a pro before reality Before you know it, graduation No time for procrastination Get a job I was Suburban say 
Suburban Sanctuary, by this episode's guest, Glenn Bowden. It was great to catch up with Glenn and find out what he's been up to for the last few years. Although we knew each other before, the conversations generally revolved around Weatherspoon's breakfasts, beer and bad jokes. So it's kind of nice to find out a little more about him and when he started making music. How old are you when you're in year four at school? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, like nine or something? <laughs> I don't know. But um, back then, I sort of... I, I told my mum that I wanted to play the guitar. And then she was like, you better learn the violin then. I was like, what? <laughs> because it, because apparently the violin leads on to the guitar. Because logic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, start playing the guitar underneath your chin, and <laughs> no. but no, um, I, I wanted really wanted to learn the guitar, so I ended up learning the violin. And when I walked in there, as I was always the tallest kid in school, and uh, the the teacher was like, "You can't play the violin. You're too big." <laughs> That's nice, isn't it? Your massive fat fingers. No, uh, she's like, "You you should play the viola." So that's when that's the first instrument that I properly picked up and learned. But it was when doing that that I sort of realised that uh, I had I was more of a musical ear than a musical, uh, you know, reader, music reader. Yeah. Because we were doing uh, songs that really easy songs, I suppose, that I knew, and rather than reading the music, I was sort of. Figuring it out, figuring it out, and she was like, "Are you reading that?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I figured out that I had a musical ear, anyway. Yeah, and then eventually found gravitated towards the guitar. Uh, me and my mate Tom used to, on lunch times, used to go into the music room. He used to play piano, and I'd play guitar. He taught me like two chords on the guitar. I think it was A and E minor. And so you need away that? you go, yeah. <laughs> one more and you got a status quo song yeah <laughs> That's it. Like, one more and you got every status quo song yeah. but yeah so where where did it go from there so when did you sort of decide yeah I really enjoy this I'm I'm going to pursue this seriously and start trying to yeah. start bands and things um I suppose that was when I was about uh, you know, in my teens then, so I was about six, seventeen, probably realistically, and I'd I'd been writing songs, uh, rubbish songs, uh, and then when you realise they're rubbish, you you bin them off. That's the first thing you got to learn, I suppose. <laughs> being right uh, and then eventually started writing good songs, and my dad uh, noticed. That I was writing half decent music, and he bought me, uh, I think it was for Christmas or my birthday. Oh, that's my camera. Battery's dead. I think I'll fill the memory card again. <laughs> but uh, he um, he noticed that obviously that I was writing music more, and uh, he bought me this little multi track recorder, and uh, I went to me uh, up in my room, and it sort of lost myself in this multi-track recorder uh, literally learnt it within a couple of weeks and you know, came back a couple of weeks like how are you getting on I was like yeah I've got 16 songs <laughs> that I've recorded nice. with drums and everything like uh, 
So yeah, that was probably the point where I realised maybe I should either join a band or gig. I've always made music on my own though as well. I've always been in bands, but I've always made music on my own. So quite prolific then. Just lots of songs. Lo- loads of songs. Um, but as, when you like, thinking back now, a lot of terrible songs, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah. write the terrible ones to get to the good that's ones. That's it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. What What's your favourite one you've written? My favourite song. Yeah. It's always the one that you're working on right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, like when you see uh, people want the bands to play the hits, don't they? But and, yeah, for sure. And like, if you go see Neil Young, he's never going to play Harvest again. Like mm. he just wants to play his new album, and that's what it is for me. Uh, the the song I've got nothing, nothing hard and on is the next song that I'm. I don't. It's not like I'm not releasing it as a single or anything. I'll just put it up on SoundCloud and I'll make a music video for it. But that's that's my favourite one at the minute. Um, it's sort of uh, that. That's probably the best. It, it's like a, a songwriter song in a sense that there's a structure to it. Normally I don't follow those sort of rules. I'll just write whatever like I like Roy Orbison songs where there's not really a structure it just goes to a a big point at the end and that's it like it's built big build up but this one has got more of an actual structure and we shall hear that in the show yep yep um okay and here it is (laughs) right now come on where's your BBC voice get it get it down I don't do that in the interviews that's no fun that's my voice for when I'm sitting on my own in a room (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Read into that what you will. And if it needs any further introduction than that, this is Nothing, Nada, None. Take a good 
long look in the mirror mains And now you realize that your free ride had a use by date You took a good long look, good long look in the mirror mains And now you've realized that your free ride had a use by date Nothing, Nada, None by Glenn Bowden. Go check out his Facebook page and give it a follow. The video is also up on YouTube now, so give that a watch too. Back to our conversation now as Glenn tells me about talent shows, open mics and his favourite gigs. I suppose gig-wise, the, the big gigs... Uh, I was in a band called Capital Sun and we did really well being as... You know, we had no, no one backing us, we had no label behind us but we got some good support slots we supported the view uh, at the Slade rooms in Wolverhampton we supported the enemy as well but um, it, I, live I mean they were good gigs because there was there was humans in the room <laughs> it does help that, doesn't it that's the only reason why they were good gigs I mean we've played and um, amazing it's always a balance between the crowd and how you play i don't think i've ever done a perfect gig in a sense that the you, you can do you can play amazingly to a room with three blokes in it that are that are also on the same set <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, or, and then you can play terribly in front of a whole crowd of people supporting uh a band you know a big band or whatever but uh it's kind of why I don't really do that many gigs now. I prefer doing YouTube videos and I love recording. Recording is like, why? It's the, it's, it's completely self-indulgent. You can do what you want, can't you? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. It's like, pra I love practice. Like band, If you're with a band and you're practicing with a band, it's the best feeling ever. Just sitting in a room and creating something that didn't exist before. Mm. Uh, but standout gigs I mean support the big gigs supporting big bands they're, they're always good um, but like I say I've I've got last year I did quite a lot of uh, solo gigs on my own just acoustically and then you realise after a bit I'm not getting any especially in Birmingham I don't know what's wrong in Birmingham but you read, you have to pay people to come to your gigs. You know, I'll let you in free. You can have a drink. I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> Please come to Please my come gig. Just do anything. Please leave the house. But um, it, that is a. I'm not sure if that's just a Birmingham thing. I don't know if that happens around here. I think it's it's a fairly common thing yeah. everywhere. From when I've asked this sort of similar question to people, people don't go out anymore. That's the thing. And. No. You notice that if you go to a pub, like mm. well, if there is a pub by you now because they're all closing down, mm. it's a there's a cultural shift that's happening and people don't 
people aren't going out. I'm not sure if it's because of the internet. Why go out if I can just watch a gig on my iPad at home? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? So when you when you get people going to gigs, they're there because they love it. And usually they're also playing on the, <laughs> the, on the same, same night. Yeah. So you never, well, you can, it is doable. Uh, case in point, Ed Sheeran. Like he went out and people take the mick out of him. I don't know why. I'm not a massive fan of his music, but I'm a fan of him in the sense that he was just going out on his own and playing rubbish little venues and just working and working and working and working until it just happened for him. And that that's rare now. That doesn't. Yeah. He's the only one I can think of that's done that. Yeah, it's all uh, the next big. Uh competition isn't it yeah singing competitions or that's the thing bands or it's the only way music or something like that it's a a platform that people use now and the thing is (coughs) it's not a long there's no longevity in it in the sense that you'll go on the X Factor for five minutes people know who you are and you'll get thousands of followers on Instagram but then nothing you won't hear of that person if you do then fair enough there's obviously always exceptions but there's no longevity in it I don't want to make 40 grand and then never make any money ever again Mm. I want to make 40 grand a year (laughs) do you know what I mean that'd be nice yeah yeah Yeah. sign me up and that's nothing really you know in the grand scheme of music Mm. But there's no money in music anymore, so you're not doing this for any money. You're doing it because you love it. If you're in it for the money, then get out quick. Or join a covers band and play other people's music. Or go on a talent show and hope. But seriously, artists like Glenn and all the others that come on this show need your support. Please go out to a gig, buy a CD or some merch. It all helps when you know someone's on your side in this industry. We're going to go back to our live session with Glenn here at Procast HQ now. And this version of his track, Vision as a Sign. Have a listen to this. I, I, I don't want to be
across the sea Vision as a Sign, by this episode's guest, Glenn Bowden. We finished our conversation by talking about local musicians and the scene in Birmingham where Glenn's from. Birmingham had a brilliant music scene, but a lot of these uh, venues that were pulling crowds in have been closed down. And There's one, one going on at the minute in Birmingham, which is the Flapper and Firkin. They want to knock it down and build some soulless flats like on it yeah even though the place is it's not uh, a dying business you know it's thriving really it always has it's been a cent it's right it's not far from the NIA so yeah you go there before you go to a big show or whatever but it's got um, a reputation hasn't it it's inevitably (laughs) it's inevitably going to close down yeah because the it doesn't matter how many people sign a petition or whatever. Like they're just gonna win. They're just gonna they'll knock it down and build some flats on it. And yeah, money talks. Exactly. That's and it. the council don't care. Birmingham City Council don't care about culture. They used to do a whole culture festival, like a big uh, music. Uh, they'd have stages all around Birmingham, and you could go like band local bands would sign up and you could play just to Joe Public on the street. Big big stages as well, like festival stages. They axed that about four year four or five years ago. They don't do that anymore. They just they've cut back on so much of the stuff that life is actually about uh and sacrificed it for money. <laughs> save money. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's just the way they work. That's why there's more buskers now, I think. There's more... If you walk around Birmingham City Centre, I don't know what it's like in Nottingham, but there's loads of buskers now. Hmm. Because I think there's no, there's no venues for these people to go and play in. No, we're quite lucky here in Nottingham. There's, there's still quite a few venues around. Yeah. Well, for the moment, at least. And there's a lot going on, sort of open mic nights and, yeah. things, and things like that. I mean, there's there is a brilliant open mic night scene. And it's... It's not just in the centre of Birmingham. It's now spreading sort of these little pubs in the suburbs have sort of thought, hang on a minute, I can do an open mic night and these people will turn up and obviously musicians drink beer. Yeah, you don't have to pay them to play. (laughs) And I ain't going to pay them. And in a way, yes, it's people going out and playing their music, but it's not benefiting anyone like I've done I did a, a good stint of doing open mic nights a couple of months and I got nothing I got no more I it was you know statistics you know no more people following me on Instagram or mm. 
nothing on Facebook or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the trick is now to to do. I don't. I'm not doing it for that anyway. I'm doing it because I like to do. I like to make music, and I, we live in a time now where I don't need a record label. If you're doing it just for the pure love of music, <coughs> you can just put it up on YouTube. Yeah, put it out. Get it yeah. out there. It's, it's and you never know. You never know what might happen. <laughs> can you recommend any other? artists people should check out from around sort of the Birmingham scene that you know of yeah uh, Simon Davies I did a video with him uh, a couple of weeks ago just after Christmas or was it before I can't remember it, no it was New Year it was the day before New Year we did a, a video together and he is a piano genius like I, I, I've bought a piano recently I've always wanted one an acoustic piano big bloody lump and uh, I've always been amazed by people that can play the piano I don't know why it's just it looks so complicated all them keys and I'm I'm playing it like an ape at the minute I'm evolving <laughs> like whilst playing it but he, to watch him I want to do a video with him at my place just to hear my hear what my piano could sound like yeah. in a couple of years time after a bit of practice but um, he is a, a brilliant songwriter, great voice, does these like falsetto sweeps that are mind-blowing. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant. Simon Davies. Cool. Check him out. Check him out. Glenn's pal, Simon Davies. Check him out after you've listened to all of Glenn's stuff, that is. He's pretty prolific on social media, so there's always something new to see on his Instagram and Facebook feeds and his YouTube channel. Sadly, all we have time for is one more song now. This one's called Surviving and shows off another different side of Glenn's music. It's a bit special, this one. They didn't see it coming. They didn't know it then. They didn't comprehend the trouble riding round the bend. Open eyes in welcome. Shock to the system. came down on the faithful, non-believers too. It came down on the good and bad with nothing they could do. Removal of the veil of normality. It took a while to lose it all and rock the car.
That's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and all that. Episode 50 is up next. Hopefully, there's going to be something a bit special on it for you. But either I haven't planned it out yet, or I don't want to spoil the surprise. I'll let you figure that one out. I'm Andy Proctor, and this is The Procast.